Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast who are also trying to become writers on the new Star Trek series on CBS. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Adam Pranica. I'm your other host, Ben Harrison. That intro is getting longer and longer, isn't oh, it? yeah, yeah. I mean... As we just add to our list of demands. <laughs> <laughs> we want a uh, jumbo jet, yeah. $10,000 in a duffel bag... Uh, map that will guide us to Cuba and positions in the writer's room on the upcoming Star Trek series on CBS. CBS, excellent television. That sounds great. <laughs> That's their slogan, right? CBS, big fans of laugh tracks. <laughs> and so what are we holding hostage? Seriously, like $10,000 of a ransom is like more than enough for me. Oh, I, yeah. I would be really all right for that. Uh, yeah. That's like a rounding error for them. They're not going to notice that. They got that in the fucking couches in the executive lounge. I don't want to go to Cuba. I want to go to Toronto to help make this new show, which is where I heard they're doing it, right? Oh, really? Yeah. God damn it. We know someone in Toronto, don't we? Uh, who? <laughs> do, do we know any Canadians? Yeah, we do know a Canadian in Toronto. He's the co-host of my other hit podcast, Let's Drink About It. That's what I'm saying. We got a place to crash if we go there. That's true. We'd be pretty cheap employees. I've, I've slept on that couch. I bet. But you've slept on a lot of things in there. <laughs> but one thing we won't sleep on is top quality writing for a hit science fiction television show coming out next year. Yeah. The as yet unnamed Star Trek television series. That's not going to happen, Adam. We're just, we, we're going we're gonna to only put top notch words together for that series. All right. That's fair. So just uh, just like before we do the actual podcast, like we're talking about a ransom here. What are we holding <laughs> ransom? Like we'll we'll stop doing this podcast if we get the if we get the job. I think the most feedback we ever have ever gotten has been about the use of the vetoes. Yeah. So maybe we threaten to just use a lot of them. Maybe we skip ahead to season five. Just That'd to- really piss some people off, huh? <laughs> <laughs> You're an asshole, Adam. <laughs> just just to catch people up. Because uh, we talk about the vetoes as though everybody knows, and I feel like maybe we should flesh that out a bit. Uh, we have chosen, mostly for the dramatic tension that it creates, but also because there's a lot of fun involved in diabolically pranking each other, in terms of uh, in terms of vetoing episodes, that for every season of the show that we watch, we each get a veto, and we can choose not to watch an episode uh, by vetoing it, and we can also choose to make somebody watch an episode by using our veto to nullify their veto, as happened in season one. That's right. We are currently running a poll uh, about uh, some modifications to the veto system. Now the options are we stay with the system we have which so far has worked great because i got to nullify adam's veto and it was hilarious to me uh or everyone liked how that went or we move to a system where if one person vetoes the other person is stuck watching the episode alone 
<laughs> and has to report back book report style, essentially. That seems to be the cruelest possible choice here. And then is the third one that a guest a guest comes on for such an episode? If if the one third per- one is a variation of the second choice, yeah. In in that uh, the remaining host selects a guest host to to do the show alongside them. Yeah. And that's the one that I like the least because it it seems to it seems to me to be the uh, the path to replacing me as a co-host <laughs> on this show, like the easiest path to that. I don't, and that's something I'd like to prevent. I think if if either of us is in jeopardy of being replaced, Adam, it's definitely not you. Yeah, who can really say? I don't know. We're not trying to pick favorites here. This show exists with both of us, or not at all. I would say that would be my vote. Wow, that's really beautiful, really powerful. Yeah, you know what's beautiful and powerful, though? Uh, Season 2, Episode 9, <laughs> The Measure of a Man. See, that is a that is a championship segue right there. Mission Log is going to be jealous of that one. Let's just say right now. You know, if they ever become aware of us. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll ever hear this. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Type to ramble on about something everyone knows. This is one of the episodes that most people talk about when they talk about this show. Yeah, this this is a big one. This is an important episode. I think it uh, it's definitely one that was seared in my memory, and you know, probably more than any episode, even the first episode contributes to the lawyer Picard trope as being like one of the main takeaways of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Right. There's there's kind of a lot of things that happen for the first time in this episode. And I think I might begin it by describing the cold open, which is uh, the show's first poker scene. Yeah. And this appealed to me greatly as a, a player of poker for maybe the last 15 years. This wow. this This scene drives me crazy. I mean... <laughs> So so let's set the scene here. It's a poker game. I believe it's in Riker's quarters, and he's invited uh, Pulaski, Data, Jordy, and Worf to play with him, yeah? Uh, I think Chief O'Brien, not Worf. Oh, yeah, that's right. Chief O'Brien is there. And I remember Chief O'Brien being there because he said something about, like... Time to pluck a pigeon. Yeah. And the pigeon being Data for how easy it's going to be to take money off of him. <laughs> Data... Data begins the scene by just sort of describing how easy of a game poker is because there's only a certain amount of outcomes and there's only a certain amount of cards in the deck. And, yeah. you know, for a real mathy guy like Data, he should be able to to be great at this. Yeah, he's, he's, he's going to rain man them. He soon finds out just how nuanced the game is because Data gets into a five-card stud game and goes all the way to a showdown with Riker, which means uh, they're the last ones playing on the last turned cards. And Riker just straight bluffs the shit out of him at the end with a busted flush draw. And first of all, uh, Data's hand is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a, he's got like ace high uh, full house, right? Uh, yeah, he should have raised Riker, or at least called, but... Riker, the entire time, is betting and then string raising. Do you know what this is? Yeah. A string raise is like, it's a way for me to get more information out of you by, like, calling and then betting in two separate actions, which is a bullshit way to play poker. And if you ever tried to play poker like that in in any poker game or in any card room, like, you will be scolded for that. Like, 
you have all the money in your hand that you plan on betting with, and that's how you do it. But Riker the whole time was like, yeah, I'll call you, and then I'll raise you 10 more. Like, that's bad form. Riker should know better. Well, Riker's playing with uh, with with somebody like me who is, you know, knows the basics, but doesn't doesn't know like the the proprieties of the game so he's taking full advantage yeah and here's another thing if you're Jordy, can't you see through those cards <laughs> can't maybe you not. see the changing blood pressure of one commander Riker? maybe they specifically replicate cards that are like uh you know shielded to Jordy's visor also, Riker, get some fucking better poker chips. Like, he's playing with uh, with drugstore plastic poker chips. <laughs> like, re- replicate some nice clay poker chips, why don't you? Well, if this you know, is they a don't serious have, game. They don't have money in, uh, in, this, in this depiction of the future, and they had been playing with scarves, but it's just, it really gets out of hand. You know, it's, hard. it's like playing in a, in a dry cleaner. Yeah, it's hard to tell, like, how, how much action is going on when you look at just a heap of scarves in the middle of the table very true so Riker bluffs the shit out of him takes the pot down and Data learns a valuable lesson on just what poker's about so meanwhile Picard is uh, sitting by himself in a lounge on Starbase uh, 173 this is a pretty pretty sweet space station, actually, that they're at, and Picard has uh, has chosen to take his shore leave solo. He's just uh, just sitting there, and uh, he lays eyes on a uh, you know a nice looking older lady who he happens to know. He walks up to her and and uh, starts kind of like kind of smooth talking her, like it's kind of an uncharacteristic, almost Riker esque smooth talk that Picard starts pursuing with this woman in 10 years but seeing you again like this makes it seem like 50 (laughs) and uh he asks if she knows what he'd like to do to her and she suggests bust a chair across my teeth (laughs) which is like holy shit i cannot believe that's a line that a character says uh about what a man would do to a woman on a television show like that is a incredibly violent image to plant in people's minds. Oh, ain't love wonderful. It makes me think that, is there a woman in Picard's past that doesn't hate him or doesn't have a weird relationship with him? Boy, she has a weird relationship with him. Yeah. Uh, Evidently, this woman, Captain Louvois, was the JAG officer who prosecuted Captain Picard after the Stargazer incident. The Battle of Maxia. Yeah. Somebody tweeted us the other day a video of the Good Morning America segment that they shot on the set of Star Trek The Next Generation, like back in the 80s. And at one point, the, uh, I guess it's like like uh, Joan London or somebody is, is in Captain Picard's ready room and points out the model of the stargazer that he keeps in there and goes, yeah, he lost that ship in a battle with Maxia. And uh, as a as somebody who knows it's a battle of Maxia, I just laughed and laughed and laughed. I couldn't get through a minute of that. It was <laughs> it was so cringy. It was it was fun to see the cast out of out of costume at that time because I feel like I've seen a lot of pictures of like Brent Spiner and and Michael Dorn present day, but I haven't seen them not with the makeup on in that era as much. I didn't. 
like seeing the spell broken, you know? Like, I don't like seeing Joan London on those sets. I don't like seeing the actors out of costume on those sets. I like thinking of that place as a place where the show happens with the characters that we like. Yeah, I don't like Joan London. It is the guiding principle of a soft lady's base. If you can't find it within yourself to stand up, tell the truth, you don't deserve to wear that uniform. Picard has a weird relationship with this lady. You're still a pompous ass. That is all that's been established. And a damn sexy man. And then a admiral wanders into this lounge and starts introducing Picard to this guy. May I present Commander Bruce Maddox? He's like a, uh, a commander rank in a, in a blue shirt. And this admiral's just like, like, oh, we got to check out the ship. You got to meet this Bruce Maddox guy. He's the greatest. And so they, they go ahead and beam over to the ship and they walk onto the bridge and immediately Data, like you can see the hair on the back of Data's neck stand up. And he makes, like, really fucking intense eye contact with, with Maddox. And and we come to find out that this is because Bruce Maddox intends to take Data apart to find out how he works. He has got, like, a three-year-old attempting to figure out how a radio works plan. And and his ultimate goal is to, like, replicate Data so that so that the Federation can have more of Data. So Picard convenes a meeting with Riker, Maddox, and Data. And Maddox kind of lays his case out. He says, like, this is going to be amazing. Like, we're going we're gonna to find out what makes Data tick. We're going to take him apart, put him back together again. We're going to load, you know, it's, all, it's, it's a safe enough procedure. We'll load his, his consciousness into the mainframe on the Starbase until we've gotten all the, all the science we need to get out of taking him apart. We'll put him back together again, load him up, load his conscious back in, and we're good to go. You know, low risk procedure. And they start kind of like asking him questions and it goes becomes pretty clear pretty quick that Maddox doesn't have a lot of the information that he should have had to to make a move like this. You seem a little vague on the specifics. Data like right away zings him with a like, well, certainly you've solved the problem of the... How the electron resistance across the neural filaments is to be resolved. And Maddox is like, actually, I thought I would just feel around in your insides, and uh, and I figured I would just figure it out uh, once I got you apart. Like, the answers would become pretty clear once I disassemble you. Yeah. And that is not a satisfying answer for anyone. And Adam, you know what Picard doesn't fuck with at all? Wu-Tang Clan? No, Adam. He doesn't fuck with bullshit. <laughs> and he can tell that Maddox is full of bullshit. So he says, like, hey, like, uh, it seems like a nice idea. Maybe maybe you'll get your shit together at some point. Uh, let's talk about it then. Meanwhile, I can't allow this. And like a poker player who has bluffed his way through the first several rounds of play, uh, Maddox pulls Listen out his winning you, hand. Listen to you tying in the A and B story together. Yeah, How about that. Yeah, it, in your face, mission log. <laughs> Maddox pulls out a, a computer chit that has transfer orders, placing data under his command. This takes all of the power away from from Picard to protect data from this this nutbag, Commander Maddox. There's a couple of things that are indicating just 
how little Maddox feels for data. And also, like, Maddox clearly, like, is totally in awe of data and all that he can do. However, uh, he calls data it instead of he. He doesn't really talk to him. He instead, you know, talks to other people in the room about him like he isn't there. Yeah, he really gives Pulaski a run for her money in the offensively bigoted department. Yeah, I feel like they would be real chummy if they had met in this episode, but they don't. Um, he wears a uniform that's maybe two sizes too small. <laughs> he just doesn't look right. And he's not, you know, he's not really rocking any neck, which you would think a real man would be doing in a small uniform. So Data sees the writing on the wall and he's like, well, fuck this. Uh, I'm just going to retire from Starfleet. How about that? That means this Matic guy gets to uh, gets to fuck off, and I guess I'm just gonna go live on a farm or something. Like uh, that would be better than having this clearly ignorant person taking me apart and messing with my insides. Like that's not it's not a satisfying conclusion to this. Yeah, and he reveals that after like basically the saddest scene in the history of the show, which is Data packing his couple of belongings into a little. A little over-the-shoulder barrel-shaped piece of this, baggage. This bag is like is so small. It's like the size of the of the bank teller tube that uh, <laughs> that in some banks, like the drive-up bank, you you put your check in it and then it shoots up and yeah. into the or like the like, Heineken keg that you can buy at the grocery store and put in your fridge. <laughs> yeah, it's real teeny. But he's packing them up, and and Maddox comes in and. And he's like tossing his dick around and he's like, hey, uh, you're uh, get, getting packed up to come be under my command. Great. Good good times. And Data's like, no, you're wrong, dude. I'm bouncing. I'm out of the Federation. I'm, I'm my own man now. And Maddox like really breaks at this point. And he's like, he gets mad. And he's like, I'm, I'm taking you apart whether you like it or not, motherfucker. But keep packing because one way or the other, you will be reporting. I think that's the line, right? Yeah, he doesn't seem to understand that uh, no means no in this circumstance. No. And uh, he clearly wants to take what he wants from Data. So he escalates the situation uh, up to Captain Louvois. Yeah. My love is a One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. 
A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. We've established a little bit earlier in the episode that she is the, like, this is a new star base. She is the head of the JAG Corps for this sector. And it's like her and an ensign. Like, there's no, there's no legal infrastructure this far out. So, so when she gets Maddox's petition, you know, she calls in Picard. She hears them both out and she's like, sorry, Picard, like, like Maddox makes a good like Maddox argument argues basically like you could you wouldn't you wouldn't rule in favor of a of a ship's computer if it pulled into Starbase and refused to undergo a refit. She's like, yeah, you're right. Data's materiel. Like, like what what are we talking about here? And so she she pretty quickly rules in his favor. And Picard goes, a ruling with such broad ranging implications must be supported, Philippa. I hope you will use the same zeal that you did in the Stargazer court-martial. And so, uh, and so we've got a trial on our hands. This episode doesn't really feel like it has a lot of beats. It's just one big story. Yeah. I mean, there's the beat of, like, Data's going away party. Yeah, that's the next scene, right? <laughs> I think it is. There's a going away party in 10 Forward for Data, uh, which is kind of like a wake, because in many ways it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Data is like carefully taking apart a, pa- a present from Worf 
Uh, and Wesley ad- the boy. admonishes him that he's doing it wrong, not tearing the packaging apart quite as as gleefully as as Wesley would. What's your family's take on uh, on on present wrapping? Do you guys rip it, rip it up or do you kind of save it? Everyone is a is a present ripper except my dad, who is a very careful uh, unwrapper. My childhood uh, on Christmas morning was all about like my dad getting he, he would like give us each a pocket knife, and <laughs> it was like cut the tape really carefully, like save all the paper. And like, we have like I'm not kidding. My my parents have packaging that has been in play for 15 or 20 years that still gets used every Christmas. Oh my god! Yeah, that's amazing. There's an extreme level of uh, environmental consciousness in my family home. Uh, that's incredible. So I I, I was like you. I was like really respecting Data's game. Like it was like a real game recognized game type of situation. <laughs> When uh, when Data was unwrapping Worf's book, and and when when Wesley butts in and starts trying to tell him to rip it up, I was like, "Fuck you, idiot!" Shut up, Wesley. You don't know how valuable that is. You know what surprised me about that scene was that Worf was such a good rapper. <laughs> like like he actually clearly took some time to to cut and wrap that book properly. Like some people are just idiots with the wrapping. No, yeah, Worf. Worf is a man of honor. Worf has like a gift wrap station at a department store level of gift wrapping prowess. Yeah. He's great. The other thing in this scene is uh, is Jordy is <laughs> bumming the fuck out. Like Jordy is just like off in a corner by himself, like like having feels and Data comes over and like, you know, when, you, when you're having a going away party and, and your friend makes it about himself and not you. Yeah. Kind of situation. Yep. Yeah. Kind of a kind of a bad move on Jordy's part. Yeah, just another in the long and growing line of of socially awkward incidents for one Jordy LaForge. Yeah, I feel like season two is when they really decided to make him a socially awkward dude. <laughs> yeah, like he wasn't really this awkward last season. <laughs> no, because they didn't give him anything to do last season. That's true. And now the thing they're giving him to do is some real act weird. <laughs> So, uh, so here's the deal with this trial. Uh, because there are no attorneys present, other than Captain thinks highly of herself. Uh, I believe you're talking about Louvois. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the role of defendant attorney will go to Captain Picard and the role of prosecutorial attorney will go to the next highest ranked officer present, which is Commander Riker. So he's going to be representing uh, Commander Maddox, uh, whether he likes it or not. To Riker's credit, he doesn't want to do this from the start. He's like, Data's my friend, fuck that. I'm not going to to effort that side of the argument, that's a bunch of crap. And Louvois yeah. is like is basically compelling him to do it. If he refuses to do his best, then he loses anyway. Yeah, which is a pretty fucked up position to be in. Yeah, it's a poison pill yeah. argument right there. But Riker, uh, Riker takes that pill and and does a pretty 
masterful job of arguing the case against Data, which essentially boils down to Data's a machine. He is, you know, disassemblable and reassemblable. He was made by a person. He was made by a person, and he can be turned off and turned back on again, which is, uh, you know, it's done to great dramatic effect at the end of uh, his his opening argument when he reaches down the small of Data's back and hits the off button, and Data kind of like pitches over in the seat and, and very inhuman-looking position. Pinocchio is broken. Its strings have been cut. He also doesn't have an arm at that point, because at that point in the trial... Riker has taken it off of him, yeah, and and entered it into uh, <laughs> into evidence. Yeah. When did Riker learn Data's off button secret? Because Data keeps it a secret. Did Luva take the arm with her for a little while? Just like called for a recess. Yeah. I, I mean, I imagine that that's one of the most sophisticated sex toys that that uh, anybody could want. Doesn't get any better than that. For a dude, it's a it's a stranger's hand. For a lady, it's got a lot of uh, a lot of settings, and it's uh, programmed in multiple techniques. <laughs> yeah, this is basically the atomic bomb of arguments that Riker has dropped, and Picard is pretty blown away. Picard like, is so blown away; he's driven to drink. Yeah, he's he's driven back to his own ship to tend forward uh, during his recess to just sort of uh, figure out his next move. Yeah, he he uh, you know Jordy has just left and Picard takes up his position as most bummed out dude in the bar, and uh, Guinan is there, and she is uh, she is there to, you know you know what what Guinan's character winds up doing a lot is. What our friend uh, Judge John Hodgman does a lot on his show, which is find the crux. She cuts to the quick. She separates the uh, the wheat from the chaff. And uh, she helps Picard see the, the whole case in a new light. It's like the dude going like, oh my God, my thinking has been so uptight about this whole case. She cuts right to the heart of the matter because it's the heart that matters most. Yeah. Which is why Guinan wound up having such a long career on The View. The thing about Guinan is no one really knows what she is or how old she is. Right. She keeps whatever superpower she has under her robe and her hat. Right. Like And <laughs> and she demonstrates them just very subtly. And so when she's having this conversation with Picard, you get the sense that she already knows the outcome of the argument. All she needs to do is sort of drop little breadcrumb clues for Picard to think that he came up with the idea himself. Right, and she'll never commit to the line of inquiry first. Right. Or as hard as as whoever she's talking to. She knows what you're thinking before you do, essentially. Yeah, and then she makes you think that it was your idea all along when you come up with your epiphany. Right. In that way, she is the greatest bartender ever, because that's all you really want. I mean, that and a, that and a good martini. Ooh, best martini I ever had. And what she, what she gets Picard to grok, finally, is that what Maddox is proposing is making lots of datas so that they can be used. And using them amounts to making a slave race and then doing whatever you want with them. And uh, and that shit is fucking wrong. That shit ain't right. 
Yeah, I mean, when there's only one data, the case is far easier to make that he is unique and special and alive. When suddenly you turn the machine into a million machines, then what you've got on your hands is a production line. Yeah. And uh, and you lose that sense of of humanity or uh, or life that that Picard is arguing arguing that he has. So so Picard goes back to the to the trial and unloads this super compelling line of reasoning and uh it's real fun to watch like it's it's as good as like courtroom drama gets in television i would say because picard starts with data on the stand and and interviews him a little bit and then flips the script and puts maddox on the stand as a hostile witness and tries to get maddox to sort of pot commit to the the premise of his gambit which is that data is subhuman sub sentient and therefore we can think of him as property so picard challenges maddox to prove that picard is sentient and that by contrast data is not and that becomes an issue and then picard kind of kind of pivots and starts talking to the the jag officer philippa louvois that uh like she has more weight on her shoulders than she perhaps realizes the decision you reach here today will determine how we will regard this creation of our genius because the decision she makes will set a precedent and if maddox is successful in reproducing data and you know essentially creating a race of androids the way that she rules will determine how the federation treats that race are you prepared to condemn him and all who come after him to servitude and slavery and whether they treat that race as property or as another life form with all of the rights and responsibilities pertaining thereto so after his very compelling closing argument you wanted a chance to make law. Well, here it is. Make it a good one. Louvois rules immediately. <laughs> yeah, she does not go back to like, she, she does not recess to consider her argument. That's a really good point. <laughs> Which either indicates that Picard's closing was was that incredible, as incredible as we both know it to be, that, that it just compelled her in that moment to be like, yeah, uh, defense wins. Or... She just didn't really give a fuck and was like, yeah, all right, that works for me. Or third option, which I, I think is probably borne out by what happens after. Louvois is mainly interested in banging Picard and decided that that uh, she'd had enough foreplay. Exactly. So here's what happens. Uh, Louvois rules in favor of Picard uh, data is ruled as not property. Data tells Maddox where he uh, can stuff it. <laughs> yeah, like it's a very it's a very tidy, efficient conclusion from that respect. And also, but Maddox was like pretty cool in that scene because he was like, "I'll rescind the order transferring you to my command." He's not a total ass about it. He's not Surprising. as assy as he's been the yeah. entire episode in that moment. And then we get back to uh, to Louvois and Picard talking about going and getting a drink and here's the thing can we be sure that picard didn't trade sex for data's freedom because though how with how quickly louvois ruled and how quickly they went and got a drink 
I don't know. I think something was going on here that, that we don't know about. See, I take it the other way. I think that Louvois wanted wanted Picard so bad. You know, she, she got real hot for him when she tried to burn him for for losing the Stargazer. And that's that's just a fire but that's been raging in her loins this whole time. She's looking down the barrel of ruling against him in this case. And she's like, nah, because then it's going to be a total uphill battle to get him into my bed. And I don't want that to happen. Like, I want this to be easy. So she's like, he's just finished like a pretty compelling argument, like as compelling as it needed to be for me to plausibly just give him the W and we can go bang now. Yeah, she is done with court and she is ready to bang his gavel. So I think that she has traded sex for Data's freedom. Hmm. All right, well, that will be consistent with the scrupulous nature of one Jean-Luc Picard. He wouldn't put that out on the table, but Louvois clearly would. Yeah. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. Well, Adam, it's an episode with lots of firsts, and uh, I would say that the last in a long string of firsts in this episode is the final scene when Data comes into the observation lounge to invite Riker to the celebration they're having in his honor in the holodeck. And Riker is not in the mood for holodeck. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure we'll ever see that again. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Riker's sort of Geordieing out. In yeah. the last scene, isn't he? Riker's, uh, you know, the captain's not around, so he can't get into the into the ready room to use his leaning wall. So he's gone to the observation lounge to uh, to lean out, and uh, and he's feel he's really bumming out. Like he really like feels shitty for what he what he had to just do. I almost cost you your life. How fervently he had to argue against the uh, the agency and freedom of his immediate inferior uh, and and friend data and data's pretty cool about this too he's like hey man that action injured you and saved me i will not forget it it really to me like it it brought data's friendships with jordy and riker into total relief like uh the idea that Riker would sacrifice something about himself in order to save Data seems like something that Jordy could never do. Like, Jordy makes it all about him yeah. at every moment, and Riker's all about sacrifice when, when given the opportunity. So I thought that was pretty cool. It was a good moment for the character of Riker, that's for sure. For sure. Well, there's there's only one scene that I think we definitely need to talk about that we haven't yet, which is a delicate scene. It's when Picard pulls out the little Tasha Yar simulator that Data keeps in his in his quarters and uh, asks him about it in the in the context of court, and Data has to kind of admit that he and Yar got down. This is one of the many pieces of evidence that that Picard admits. He basically unpacks Data's suitcase and every little thing he uses as a as a piece of evidence just to sort of ask him why he thought that those items were significant enough to take with him wherever he was going. Right. So there's like a there's like a picture frame and there's a a book that was a gift and then the third thing is this is this little this little hollow picture of of uh, Tasha Yar. 
And yeah, on the stand, he has to admit that they did it. And there's a there's a moment where everyone looks yeah. at each other like Holy everybody shit. in the courtroom clutches their pearls. Yeah, I suppose everyone's lucky that, like, we know this show has a very clear and definite uh, recording that they occasionally show characters yeah. to catch them up. Like, they could have shown them the sex tape and didn't. Yeah. So, they're probably lucky they got away with that one. I'd like to see that sex tape leak on- online at some point, though. With the right search terms, I think you could get there. I am the cutest of all. You will assist us. I am the cutest of all. You are all. Well, I thought this was a great episode. I thought every actor raised their game. And it felt, in terms of, like, pacing and writing and acting, like, it felt like a totally different show. It was... It was just fantastic all yeah. the way through. Next really level Trek, man. Uh, I hope we get more like this. It seems like the last few episodes have been really good. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is a little a little run of of top tier Trek, and uh, and and it makes it hard to joke about. But I'm hoping that our podcast remains entertaining despite the fact that we're just starting to just fall in in awe of how how good this show is. <laughs> Not a lot of opportunities for dick and fart jokes uh, in a courtroom-related scene. So, should we just like add a fart sound effect uh, <laughs> periodically throughout the episode? Yeah, yeah, I think that sounds good. Uh, did you have a drunk Shimoda for this episode? Drunk Shimoda, take important stuff, stack it up. Doesn't give a fuck. Everybody's drunk. And Tasha Yar's getting robot humped. Ben, 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 low. I did. There's an admiral in this episode, and he's there for like two little scenes at the beginning. And then, right after we've established that there's an admiral afoot, Captain Louvois announces that the two most senior officers have to be the litigants in this case. And suddenly, there's no admiral. (laughs) That's a great point. Where'd he go? Oh, man. He yeah. totally ghosted him. That's not convenient for our story. Yeah. So why did why was he there in the first place? Like, I guess to give like the weight of Starfleet Command's authority to to Commander Maddox when he pulls his little his little chit out. But I don't wow. know. It seems weird. Like there was no other ship in orbit around the the starbase. I don't know where this commander went. So that's my drink, Shimoda. What about you? Uh, for me, it was Louvois, who just seemed like on the prowl. Yeah, the she time. definitely flirts with uh, with Picard in almost every scene until he basically says, stop flirting. I'm really freaked out about my second officer. Yeah, like she's pretty inappropriate most of the time. <laughs> yeah. like, like, like Picard is trying to have a serious conversation with her a lot, and she is just sort of not having it. Yeah. This is like... She's just doing a lot of staring at his junk. This is the kind of workplace behavior that gets people in a lot of trouble for the most part. Yeah, it didn't feel like the future to me in those scenes. So what do we have coming up on the next episode? Episode 10 of season two is called The Dauphin. Wesley finds romance with the beautiful young ruler of Daled Four, whose secret power could destroy the Enterprise and her crew. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Uh, is this an Ashley Judd episode? Uh, that, that can't be it, right? No, I think that's like her. a few more, a few more seasons down the road. All right. Well, whenever I think of uh, someone that Wesley's interested in, I think of her. 
So I I don't think I recall anything about this episode, if that's the case. If it is the episode I am thinking of, this is like a... This this is like a hot little alien princess who has like a kind of a wicked stepmother that's always following her around. And then whenever they're alone in their quarters, they, they turn into like huge hairy gorilla beasts. They like, they like morph shapes. So she's like hot whenever she's in public, but then she's like a terrifying beast when she's, uh, when she's alone. She's a uh, she's a butter body. <laughs> that is a very offensive term, Adam. She's a she's a shapeshifter, is what you're saying. She is a shapeshifter. If if it's the episode of which I am thinking, uh, this does not sound like an episode that I would prefer to use a veto on. Uh, it doesn't sound great, which might be a good return to form for us. Like getting, <laughs> getting, uh, getting not an awesome episode to really slum it around in. So I'm, I'm excited to, to return to form. I would not veto this one either. Um, let's do it. Let's do this one. All right. I also feel like it would be a little bit disingenuous for us to veto while we're running a poll about how the vetoes should should work. Right. I mean, not that like we actually have to defer to. Th- the the mob whatever they come up with we can do whatever we want yeah we would prefer that people agree with our decision yeah but but we're not we're not binding ourselves to them agreeing with us right uh if you'd like to talk about this episode any other episode or the care and feeding of our nation's veteran community uh, (laughs) you can find us on twitter using the hashtag greatest gen i'm at cut for time Ben is at Benjamin A-H-R. Uh, we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music. Who, uh, which if, if you search the Picard song, you can find just about everywhere. Be sure to vote on our poll. Yeah. Uh, our, our veto poll. I guess uh, maybe like the hashtag veto poll will be, will be in play. You can just search through that hashtag. How about greatest poll? Hashtag greatest poll. Yeah. I like that. It's, I've had a lot of fun talking about this episode with you, Adam. Um, if uh, if people like the show, I hope they go go to iTunes and leave us a nice five star review. We love reading every single every single one of those, um, even the four star ones we like. But you know, we like them yeah. like half as much as the five stars. People are sending in cool emails. It's been fun. It has been. People are people are have been getting more and more chatty. That's been cool. Yeah, and it's been really taking away from my time to do real work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's. Uh, I think that's one of our main goals with this, is to distract ourselves from the ways we make a living. Distract so. myself into the unemployment line. Mm-hmm. With that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, and also whatever this is. MaximumFun.org